So today is Father's Day, and um, I am one of the ones who had to experience a little bit of healing when it comes to daddy, because I had some pretty significant daddy wounds. But God is so faithful in that he visited me personally, and he said to me, don't, and this is what I didn't realize, he said, don't tell me that you have a father who doesn't love you, and don't tell me you have a, a, a dad who um, doesn't care, doesn't care for you, and there was a few other things, and it was the first time I ever realized that the things I'd been saying in my heart, I didn't really even know were really in my heart till God showed me, I was actually saying against him, And as soon as I got a handle on that and I repented of that, there was such a freedom that came to me. Uh, An ability to see my dad as being just the human that he is, the ability to forgive him, and, and having a Heavenly Father really just step into that place and meet that need. So I'm really great. So Father's Day is something that's very special to me. It's special to me every single day. And I wanted to, so today I want to talk to you about a gift that. We, we can give to our Heavenly Father. And the thing that's so amazing about Him is that everything that we may give to Him, He has so much more that He's giving back to us and that He is doing just for us. So I'd like to start by reading from Luke. Um, last, uh, last time I was up here a couple of weeks ago, and these lights are every bit as bright now as they were then. Um, anyway, we talked about the, uh, the day of Pentecost, how that the original day of Pentecost was a giving of the law on stone and how the fulfillment of that day was a writing of the law on the heart of man, that God t- took a, 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 a nation of slaves and made them a, a nation able to uh, be productive on the earth. And, he took, and then he took and made one nation out of many on the day of Pentecost. Um, Anyway, if you, weren't, if you weren't there, that's just that in a nutshell. But let's turn to Luke chapter 11 this morning. I want to just kind of continue on with this thought. We know that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out, where God took many nations to make one. Verse 11, I'm sorry, chapter 11 and verse 9 says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the fulfillment on the day of Pentecost, we know that there was the spirit that came in like a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house and where they were sitting and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit of God gave them utterance. And so it saw, it saw this corporate purpose to make, many, to make one of many nations. There's also something for the individual that's in this. What of the individual? We know that in Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to talk about the individual purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. On the, on, the, on the day of creation, sixth day, man becomes a living soul by God breathing his breath into him. Man becomes a living soul. But we are actually more than just a soul. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 23, Paul's writing, and he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body 
be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to try not to go through this really fast today, I want because I want you to really grasp what I'm trying to communicate. The soul and the spirit is often used interchangeably. And but we but there is a difference between the two. In this particular passage in 1 Thessalonians, um, the Greek words from which these, this was translated, the Greek word for soul is not the same word that we use for spirit. The, the spirit, actually, the word is pneuma, and we see P-N-E-U-M-A. I don't know if you can, but it, if you can visualize that, that's how it's spelt. But we get our words like pneumonia from that. We get, we get our words like the pneumatic tools, things that use air or that affects the breathing. So it has this idea of breath. And we know that the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God came in, it came in how? A rushing mighty wind. There was breath that was happening there. And in, the, and in John, Jesus tells, tells Nicodemus that when the Spirit comes, it'll be just like the wind that blows wherever it wants. So we have this high, whole idea of pneuma. And then we have the idea of the soul. And it actually is the Greek word psyche, P-S-C-H-E. From that word, we get our words like uh, psychology, things that have to do with the emotions, the will, all of like the sensory aspects of the body, the soul that we all have. It's that part of us that interacts with the world. It interfaces with the world. And it's where our, our emotions dwell. It's where our passions lie. And it has a life. It has a life of its own. In the book of Psalms, David writes a lot about the soul, and this is some of the things he says about it. He says the soul takes refuge in God, but the soul can also be cast down. Anybody ever felt in despair? The soul can also be in distress. Have you ever felt distressed? Witness that you have a soul. It can be tempted or enticed. It can be bitter. It causes quarrels and fights. And in the book of Job, which is, some people say, the oldest book, it's in the Old Testament, it's one of the books of poetry, Job says, my soul is poured out within me. And all he was saying was, my soul is in the deepest despair. And in Psalms chapter 6 and verse 3, David writes that his soul is deeply troubled. And these are all emotions, all things that we all can identify with. We all experience them. So these are the ways in which a part of us, this thinking, this feeling, this reasoning, this sensing, this willing part of us interacts with the world. When, that's experience we often receive, and what our soul is actually needing is needing to be soothed. Anybody ever need to feel soothed? Ever, ever need to feel safe? Do you ever need to feel secure? Those are all needs of the soul. So the way that we experience this world outside of us, it's often so far from what our soul really needs. And this, these needs are the exact things that lead us into addictions, too much television, right? too much alcohol, too much of anything that makes us feel good, helps us to disconnect from, from our worry, helps us to disconnect from feeling distress and happiness, even though it's just for a moment that need to disconnect. That is the psyche. That is the psyche or the soul of man. But what can we say of the pneuma, the spirit? I would submit to you this morning that the spirit is the very thing that requires our attention. 
because without it, our soul is so vulnerable. Ephesians chapter 2 and and verse 3 actually tells us that we are, uh, it says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, and that's not exactly. There's another one that talks about, is that chapter 2? Let's look at let's look at three. Um, or I'll look it up. That's okay. I don't, it might be hard for you to do, Casey. Anyway, let me just tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the scripture that says we were dead in trespasses and sins. Um, it's chapter two. Thank you. Is that verse three? No, it's still chapter two. Oh, there it is. It's verse five. It starts at verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So that is really kind of an intriguing scripture, this idea that we can be dead. Because I want to ask you to consider all the things that we do while we're dead, according to the scripture, right? We eat, we drink, we fall in love, we have families. We have careers. We can even laugh. We can even have fun. But the Bible says we are doing all of these things, and yet we're dead. Proverbs 18 and 14 says, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can can bear. So it hints at this connection that we have between our soul and our spirit. John chapter 10 And verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We know that. Our soul knows the effects of evil. We all know what it is to have been stolen from, to feel like something was destroyed, to feel like you just want to die. It's so painful. Hopefully we don't live there, but we've all felt those emotions. But the second part says, is something that we know much less of. The second part of the statement where Jesus says, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So when I did a word study on this, this whole idea of this word abundantly, it, it means uncommon, extraordinary, surpassing. That we might have life that's uncommon, that's extraordinary, that's surpassing all. And so what Jesus is saying is you think you're enjoying your life now, but wait till you open the gift that I have for you. This is where the Spirit comes in. In John chapter 7, and verse 38, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall, will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And in this scripture, this idea of the heart... It has an idea of it being an empty place in the soul of man. So Jesus is saying, in this empty place, I'm going to restore this empty place. And out of this empty place is going to flow rivers of living water. Jesus knows the need of the soul before we even could grasp it. And he shared this with his disciples in John chapter 14. He's getting ready to face the cross. 
What do we need the Spirit for? In verse, um, looks like I'm starting at verse 15. Yes. He says, if you love me, he's talking to his disciples. This is before he's, he's on his way to Gethsemane. You will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You will know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So I want you to notice those words. He's now with you, but he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you unsafe. I will come to you. Yet a little while in the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So he's saying, you, you will know. Here has, here's where, if you've had your personal Pentecost, I mean, who here can testify that after you received the Spirit, you found yourself thinking about Jesus more than you did before? You find yourself being aware of him in ways that you had never been before. So what is this oneness between you and God, that connection that was lost with Adam's fall? It now comes again through the new birth that John promised, or that Jesus promised Nicodemus in John chapter 3 would happen. It happens just as Jesus said it would. It happens through spirit. It happens through water baptism. And its effect is every bit as powerful as birth itself. It's a new life. It's a new life. And in verse 21, he goes on and he says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. So the Holy Spirit is this gift from the Father made possible by the blood of Christ and sent to fill that empty place inside our soul. It's that buffer. It's a buffer between the world and and our soul. The the Spirit-filled believer finds himself experiencing this advocate, this helper, this friend. You don't even have to, you don't even have to, it's like it's unbidden. It's just there. This buffer, this realization always that there's something that's standing between you and the evil of this world comes to you in such surprising ways. I remember, I remember first knew after receiving the Spirit and having done something that where I just felt I had so failed. I'm washing dishes, and, and I'm just washing dishes and just kind of feeling sad, and all of a sudden there's this song starts coming into my head, Thank God for the Blood. 
Thank God for the flood that washes white as snow. It was like the furthest thing from my mind at the time. What was in my mind was condemnation. But the helper that was within me said, I don't think I'm going to have that. I'm going to be a buffer between you and that sorrow. I have another friend whose who, um, child was in the hospital, and she was a single mom, and her, her son got taken into the emergency room feeling so alone. And I love this testimony because she was in despair. And she said, Jeannie, just out of nowhere, I heard this whisper that came to me and just said, you're saying you're, you're alone, but I'm here. <laughs> she said the peace that came over her in that moment is when the world says to us one thing, and our soul agrees, that word, that spirit comes in and says to you, you can do all things through Christ, and your soul is strengthened. When the world says despair, and your soul agrees, that word of truth comes and says, yeah, don't do that because hope remains, and you know it to be true. Has anybody ever experienced that? Can we just thank God for that for a minute? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When When the world says you are alone and the soul agrees, the spirit becomes that word of truth that steps in and suddenly you hear, no, I am with you and I will be with you even into the end of the world. Buffer, you're not going there, my child. I'm going to protect you. The Holy Spirit is the source of the peace that surpasses understanding. It livens your spirit and your life begins to receive that abundance, that overflowing that Jesus promised. It's a gift from the Father. But it's a gift that needs to first be opened before we experience it. I mean, I, we, can, we can be given a gift, and it can just sit on the table and be unopened, and it does us really no good. We have to open this gift. And I, I think of Paul and I think of all the things that he listed that he had suffered for the gospel's sake in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 18. Give her a second to get there. It says, now this is Paul in this list of sufferings. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not, okay, is this, that's not, this is about um, communion? Okay, we need 2 Corinthians. Okay, I'll find it. Okay, 2 Corinthians verse 11 and verse 18. And I'm sure Casey will get it up there in a minute. But it says, Paul's suffering is an apostle. Uh, it says, since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I, say, I must say we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I am talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. 
Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Let's see, 40 times 5 is 200, minus 5, 295. Can you imagine a back having 295 lashes laid upon it? What must Paul's back have looked like? But that's not all. Three times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. That would have been enough for me right there. Hanging on to a piece of driftwood through all the salt water. Sharks. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 8 says um, can't exactly find it here but what he says is I speak with tongues more than you all swear oh good there it is I thank God that I speak with tongues more than all of you Uh, is it little wonder (laughs) With all the things that Paul suffered, I would say that his soul could not, have been suffer- could not have endured the things that he suffered had he not had the buffer of that Holy Spirit between his soul and the things he experienced in this world. God's Spirit inside of him kept him where he needed to be and doing the job he needed to do and doing and fulfilling the calling that God had given him, and it will keep you too. It will keep you too. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, Paul's writing, (laughs) because he's had this experience. He knows what he's talking about. He writes to Rome and he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. But I remember the first day of Pentecost when the Lord gave the written law to Moses, the description of the mountain and how that moment affected the people. In Exodus chapter 20, verses uh, 18 and 19, says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar off and said, Moses, you speak to us. We will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. So there was this powerful connection that Moses was experiencing with God, this God that was terrifying to these people. And that idea of a connection with God, even now the receiving of a spirit, can be terrifying to us too. It's so far out of our normal experience. 
so far out. It's, seen, it, it's just a little too unknown. It's too something that we can't control. And maybe that's how this idea of being filled with the Spirit is affecting you. Maybe if you haven't yet experienced it, you're feeling scared. Maybe you're feeling unsure because it's so unknown. And yet, you'll find that this gift of the Holy Spirit, when you receive it, it's somehow well-known. You're going to feel as if you've just walked into the arms of a good and a trusted friend. So Jesus knew the fear that we would experience because this is what he said in Luke. We read it at the beginning. Luke chapter 11. He said, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father or will, yeah, will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's the Father's gift. And today is Father's Day, and you don't have to leave here without your gift from your Father in Heaven. So from this scripture, you know, what might we expect? One of the things that we should expect is that we're going to have to seek. So it's a very personal kind of thing, but there are some things that are very common to people when they're receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just tell you a little bit about it because it might be foreign to some of you. You might not feel anything at first because remember if you're seeking, it means that you haven't just gone one time, you're still seeking, you're still looking. You wake up every day and you say, today could be the day. You're eating lunch and you think, today could be the day. You go to bed at night. Tomorrow could be the day. It's just part of what you're seeking. And when it finally comes to visit you, it's a very nice, warm feeling. But it's, a, it's always accompanied with other tongues, stammering lips. That's what happened to me the first time I received the Spirit of God. All I had were stammering lips. Nice, warm feeling, stammering lips. And one of the, one of the uh, families there had invited me for lunch, so I go to their house to lunch after, for lunch afterwards. Did you receive the Spirit? I don't, I don't, did you speak in tongues? I don't know if I did. Oh, well, then I don't think you received it. I was so sad. I went back to service that night, and the woman who had been praying for me said, Oh, you received it. And the next thing I know, I was just mm, speaking in tongues like, I don't know, some people say a Chinese laundromat. <laughs> so, why other tongues? That, this is something that people can get hung up on. Why are you telling me that I have to do the other tongues to receive the Spirit? God leads me. God guides me. I can feel him. This is what I think. This is what I think. James chapter 3. Well, number one is that you get to, and it's a very wonderful experience, and you really should not hold that yourself from that. But verse 7 in John chapter 3, and James chapter 3 says, Every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly 
poison. So the yielding of our tongue, of our speech, to God is really a yielding of our entire being to him. It's something... Uh, it's something of the fallen nature to the experience of a new creation. It's something inside of us that was lost in Adam, being reborn, a new birth, and it feels great. It's scary. It's beyond our comprehension. We can feel embarrassed by the emotion that we display when we're touched by it. All of these things that are beyond our control, but it brings our dead spirit into connection again with the spirit of life. Let's just pray. God, I'm so grateful. (laughs) So grateful for the baptism of your spirit. Oh God, thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for the gift that you have given to us, to your children. Lord, to connect with you again in ways that our soul desperately needs. Thank you for being a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thank you, dear God, for the wisdom in the things that you've required of us. Lord, thank you that it is not hard to receive your spirit. Lord, it's just a matter of yielding and being willing, O God, to to confess you Lord of all in such a great way. I'm just asking, Lord, for every soul uh, that, that today is hearing your word. God, that you would begin just to open it up to them, to their understanding. God, to, to help us to realize once more that you are the answer to every need in our, in our soul. God, that you would cause our spirit to come alive again in you. I want to thank you, Lord, for all of the, the times that we experience comfort in your presence. I want to thank you for all the times that your spirit comes to us and helps us, Lord, with groanings that can't be uttered, that can't even be uttered. Lord, and with with languages that we have not learned before, but the angels know them. Thank you, Lord, for being our helper. God, we're just seeking you today. I'm thanking you for the angels that are in this house. I'm thanking you, O God, that they are from ceiling to floor, wall to wall, here to do your bidding, and that your spirit is free to whosoever will. In Jesus' name, thank you. And if anything's been said here today that stirs your heart and you're just feeling drawn, I just want to invite you to go ahead and come up here. There's enough of us here that will pray with you. And you might have your first encounter with God in a powerful way. In Jesus' name.